Have you ever gone from one extreme with your money to the other? Well, Jessie Fearon has, and she shares all the details with us coming up in this episode. Are you tired of the traditional money advice? Me too. Bienvenida. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast. Join me each week for down-to-earth money conversations that will leave you with more confidence and inspiration to help you take control of your money. And you will probably learn some Spanish along the way too. Lista? You ready? Empecemos with. Let's get started. Hola, que hubo? How is it going? This is Jen Hempel, your host. I am grateful that you have chosen this podcast to listen to today. I realize there's so many podcasts to listen to, even financial podcasts to listen to. So I appreciate you that you chose this one. Now, I've got a great guest to share with you today. She's got such an amazing message, such an amazing story as well. So in this episode, you're going to learn what resulted from seeing two very different examples of managing money. You're also going to learn how her family ended up paying $55,000 in debt in three years, as well as why her family became a one-income family and her golden piece of advice of what success looks like. Let me share with you a little bit about Jessie Fearon. She is a wife to a lumberjack lookalike, mom to three little ones, and during their nap time, she's a financial coach. Her family paid off just over $55,000 in debt in three years, as I mentioned earlier, and they are almost 100% debt-free. Way to go. She loves coaching others towards achieving their financial dream life by learning to manage their money and embracing their own real life on a budget. Lisa, you ready? Vamos a conocer a Jesse. Let's go meet Jesse. Bienvenida, Jesse, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I am thrilled to have you here. Well, I am super excited to be here, Jen. Thank you so much for letting me come on. Oh, no problem. Well, I've been meaning to have you on for a while now, as we were discussing prior to hitting <laughs> record, but we finally made it happen. And let's get started with getting to know you and your money story. How did you grow up around money? What did you hear? What conversations were had with you, or maybe they weren't? Those type of things, memories. Well, for me, I actually grew up in a very frugal household, a very, you know, kind of money conscious family. My mom, she's number four out of five kids from a very stereotypical middle class family. And my dad grew up on the lower end of the social structure there. And um, so for both of them, they kind of had similar beliefs around money, but also a little differing opinions. And so, you know, for me, I grew up knowing what a budget was, but I also watched like my dad overspend a lot because he would get really excited about things. And he kind of had that fear of, you know, growing up where there wasn't a lot of money that when he got money, he would a lot of times go and spend it. And so I kind of saw both worlds growing up and I've kind of followed both paths before in my adult life. So, um, but money was definitely something that was talked about a lot when I was growing up, it was definitely not a taboo subject for me. Okay. So did they, because you mentioned that they had similar beliefs, but different opinions. So your dad sounds like he, it was easier for him to spend money and maybe your mom was more 
the saver in terms of, so it wasn't a taboo subject. So did they have like sit you down a certain time in your life to talk to you about money or what did that look like for you? Um, well, my mom sat, I think, goodness, how old was I? Um, I might've been about 12, 11 or 12 years old, I think it was. And my mom, way back when they had these um, little, they called them play checkbooks. And so they were like fake checkbooks. But my mom bought them for my brother and I, and she started like when she would pay us an allowance, she would have us record it down. We would have to write a check to her for anything. Like if we wanted to, you know, buy anything. She actually started making us like write her a check from our play checkbook. And then she would pay for it or like take the cash and pay for it, you know, for us or whatever type of thing to kind of teach us kind of how money flowed and obviously how to write checks, which we don't have to really do anymore. But but that's kind of what she was doing back when I was, you know, about 11 or 12 years old. And then once I turned 16 um, and I had a high school job, then, you know, we went and we opened up my first checking account and my mom, you know, was helping me like understand how to reconcile a bank statement and, you know, all of those things. So I kind of knew how to do all of those things at a young age. And I knew that saving was important. But I think for me, when I was younger, even though I knew these things were important, I don't think I really understood quite how it played out in the real world. You know, like, I, I don't think I quite understood that just because my dad, he was a spender. And um, at this time in our lives, my parents were actually divorced. So I was really seeing that my dad, in my eyes, was living like this luxurious lifestyle. And then my mom and I was over here, you know, yelling at me, you know, if I don't take the spatula and scrape out the peanut butter out of the jar. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, who cares? You know, so I was kind of seeing conflicting money management strategies, you know, and even though my dad believed that saving money was important in doing those things, he also was an overspender in a lot of areas. So um, it was just really interesting to see that growing up and then how I kind of played out into my adult life to where as an early adult, I ended up overspending way too much. I racked up $11,000 of credit card debt by the time I was 21, which is insane. And so I learned very quickly that the overspending luxurious lifestyle that I thought was really cool was not. And so I was very grateful for the budgeting lessons my mom gave me because that's what I had to fall back on to start managing my money and climb my way out of the big hole that I had dug for myself. Right. So basically, so what I'm hearing is so you've had the the different waves of spending or managing money from your parents, that the examples that your parents set. Your dad more of a spender, your mom was uh, more frugal, having you make sure that peanut butter jar was clean before you <laughs> dive into another one. And so basically, as an adult, what I'm hearing is that you took on your dad's ways of overspending. Yes. But later on, you said, oops, and, and, you know, here comes mom into play. Now, did you go from one extreme to the other? Or what, what uh, happened after yeah. that? Yeah, I kind of did. I kind of, it was like a big pendulum swing. I went from like one extreme to the other because once I realized what I had done and I kind of started seeing that writing on the wall, so to speak, I was like, I've got to do something and I've got to do something drastic because at the time I was living in a really nice apartment that was way above my pay grade because I didn't pay attention to if I could actually afford the monthly payment or not. It was just a nice apartment and I wanted to live there, you know? And so I had all like really nice things and I couldn't afford any of it. And so I had to finally sit down and make it that first, you know, I called my first adult budget because, you know, I budgeted when I was little with my mom or whatever, but not anything where it was like my own money and my own life on the line, you know, before it was almost kind of like play money, like monopoly money in my mind. It wasn't my actual money and it didn't, matter if it like worked or didn't work because it wasn't life or death to me. But in that moment, it kind of was because I'm like, I'm going to be evicted if I can't figure out a way to pay rent. And so I had to sit down and really make a budget and figure out, okay, how do I get out of this? And, you know, and that's why I am so grateful that my mom taught me how to make a budget because once I started making the budget, I started realizing, okay, 
if I do this, if I do that, like I'm going to scrape by, I had to get a second job and I had to do all these things to make it work. But I'm so grateful for those lessons and for experiencing early in my life that big pendulum swing from one extreme to the other, because it finally helped me understand that extreme overspending and also extreme frugality shouldn't ever really be the goals. You should find that medium for yourself to to find where what your own sort of real life on a budget should look like for you and for your family. Right. No, I agree. And one thing with frugality, and this is something that I tell my clients and I tell my community is there's nothing wrong with being frugal, but the mistake that people make in terms of being frugal, meaning let's say you're trying to save on electricity, turning down the thermo or turning up or down, depending on what (laughs) season of the year uh, you're in, or you're making coffee at home versus going running to Starbucks or things of that sort. Or maybe you put your clothes out on the line to dry during the summers to save, but really And there's nothing wrong with that, but you have to track what that savings is because you can uh, do all those free gold things and not really see the fruits of your labor, right? So if you are saving, uh, let's say, I don't know, $100 a month because you've been spending, you know, if you figure out how much, let's say the coffee, I'm a coffee drinker. So let's just go with the coffee example. (laughs) (laughs) So let's say you start making coffee at home and you figure out in a month, this is how much you're going to spend by making coffee at home. And then you compare it to what you were spending at Starbucks or your favorite coffee shop. And let's say the savings was $100. I don't know, just some round number. Then you need to know that number and put that number to work, right? And that's a mistake that a lot of people make. And if it's not being put to work, and if that, and it, it does two things. One, it puts that money to work. And two, you can see if that is really a good area to be frugal in, right? Because if it doesn't make sense, right, right. Because there's other areas you can save in. So I'm glad that you brought that up. So this happened, you know, from one extreme to the other. This happened, I think, when you were single, you hadn't met your husband. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, Well, I'd met him, but we weren't even dating yet. So, um, but yeah, that happened before we were dating. And then shortly after we had gotten married, I was still kind of paying off a lot of that debt. Of course, he had his own little bit debt that he brought to the table. And then of course I was still in college. So, you know, my student loans weren't due yet, but those were obviously on the horizon. And we weren't necessarily committed to living 100% debt-free back then, just because, you know, we still kind of like felt like, oh, there's good debt, bad debt and all of that. So, you know, I still had a car loan and he still had a truck loan and we still kind of had those things. But um, I, no, I no longer had like eight different credit cards. I only had like one credit card at the time, like and he had a credit card. And then, you know, fast forward a couple of years and a kid later, like we started realizing that you know, I was a stay-at-home mom at that time because we couldn't really afford daycare. And I kind of realized like if we don't do something kind of drastic and just completely get rid of all of this consumer debt, we're not going to be able to afford for me to stay home even once our second baby comes because our oldest two kids are Irish twins. So they're Mm -hmm. a year apart. Mm -hmm. And I was like, there's no way we're going to be able to afford this. And so we had to get really aggressive and we had to kind of do like extreme frugality during that season because we had to make every single penny stretch until we were able to officially pay off all of the consumer debt. And we managed to pay all of that off by August of 2015. So we've spent three years being completely consumer debt free. <laughs> wow. It's been amazing. So, so three years it took you to pay off how much? Uh, just over $55,000 of debt. That's awesome. Now, 
What did you do? Because that's three, of course, with frugality and making sacrifices is always temporary. So three years, it's not a long time, but it is, you know, it's a significant amount of time. So what did you do to keep yourself motivated when maybe there was, you know, a, a week that was kind of challenging, uh, maybe a bad day? So what did you do to just continue to be consistent and keep motivated so that way you achieve that goal? Well, early on in our debt-free uh, journey, um, we were kind of like, you know, just hitting the grind, hitting the grind until we kind of both got like really burned out a little bit because mm-hmm. it was like, okay, like we're not really living anymore. And it kind of almost felt like, okay, what is the point? And so we finally decided like, we were like, okay, we're going to take like one month off. I mean, obviously we were paying, you know, the minimum payments on everything to keep everything current. But we're like, we're going to take like just one month off where we're not going to apply anything extra. And we're just going to allow ourselves you know, to go out to eat, to dinner, or go do something else that is fun and that we haven't been able to do, something that we've been denying ourselves. And we're only going to let, like, only do it for a month, you know? And honestly, that was one of the best things that we did because it just refired us up because we're like, okay, you know, like, all right, we're good now. We're rested. Like, let's get moving. So, you know, we just, I don't know, we had to make some (laughs) temporary sacrifices Mm -hmm. and they were kind of hard because it's harder for me than for him because I was like, no, no, let's just get it done. Let's just get it done. But my (laughs) husband had to remind me, like, you know, you got to calm down, like calm down a little bit there. (laughs) Right, right. No, well, that's good that you did that because if you envision, and I don't know what it really looked like being frugal, let's say you were eating sandwiches every day and for three years, that's, that's a long time. So you have to do something to keep motivated. So that's great that you took a break, re-energized and then got back to it. So that is awesome. Now I want to talk to you about as well as being a one income family and had it always been, because I'm trying to remember you, what you said, has it always been that you were a one income family? Because tell us about um, that journey. We, I, when we first got married, um, I worked as a project manager for an engineering company in Atlanta. And when we got pregnant with our oldest child, my husband and I both agreed that we wanted me to stay home because mm-hmm. Metro Atlanta traffic is a nightmare. And so we both <laughs> agreed that me trying to you know, pick up our son from daycare and then try to get home and cook dinner and do all of those things. Like that was going to be way too much for the family, especially as more kids came along and kids got older and extracurricular activities and all of those things happened. And so we had already decided that when our oldest son, Connor, was born, that I would transition into becoming a stay-at-home mom instead of going back to work. We've been a one-income family since uh, 2012. Okay. And so how did you manage that transition? Because we have similar stories. How did you manage? Um, Well... (laughs) Once we found out that we were pregnant, that's when we finally decided, okay, like we need to start pretending that my paycheck doesn't exist anymore, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which was a really challenging transition at first. But we you know, were like, we got to pretend that my paycheck is just null and void. And so I even called up um, the HR department um, at the place I worked at and said, okay, we need, I need to change where my direct deposit's going. And it went right into our savings account instead of our checking account. And it definitely took, I think, about three or four months before we were finally just living on only my husband's income and we were no longer touching my paycheck. And my paycheck at that point was solely going into savings, which was a true godsend mm-hmm. <laughs> when we made that transition into becoming a one income family. Awesome. And at this point, was the debt already paid off or that was after? That was actually before we joined the debt-free journey. <laughs> okay. That, that was, was before. before. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yep. Well, I love that you mentioned being a one income family. I know that's what we live on. Uh, what I make is extra, but we literally solely, the how we live, our expenses is, is covered more than covered. And even a, a big portion of our savings is covered with my husband's income. But we did very similar 
to you where, well, my husband's military, I'm not sure if you know. And when we decided, <laughs> yep, yep. So when we decided we were going to have our first child, it was very, very important for me to stay at home. And it was important for him as well, uh, for, for multiple reasons, him being military, hello, he's going to be gone. I saw myself as that mom that I wanted to be able to volunteer at the school, be at home when the kids got home, not have to send uh, the baby to uh, daycare, those type of things. That was really important. So we did that transition as well, where we looked at our expenses. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you and made sure that we were able to pay it on his income because we went for like the two incomes to one. And mine was, I always say it was is higher, but you know, it was significantly higher, but I guess not that much higher. But yeah, it was definitely a transition. It too. Yeah, it, but it was <laughs> yeah, definitely... Mine, mine was a little bit. It wasn't much, but it was it was a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it was definitely a, a transition, but it's. I think it's you just have to one, make sure that expenses, you know, know how much those expenses are and that they can be less, obviously, uh, than the one income. And then just go from there. It's not we've been living on this uh, much income. It's just rather look at what those expenses are and make the decision. Exactly. Because it is and not that everyone can do that. Because if you're we've you've been living a lifestyle and have accrued some expenses that maybe you can't get rid of right away, depending on what it is. It might not be as easy, but if you're committed and, and it's not your priority, it's it's doable. It's doable. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. Awesome. Awesome. So let's talk about how I'd love to know with you and your husband, how do you all manage your money? Are you the one that takes care of the personal finances? Does he, how do you divide those roles? Pretty much, I am the the money manager, but he gets saying it, you know. So, like, he basically kind of has to look over the budget and say, "Yay, I agree. No, I don't. Let's talk about it," type of thing. And you know, we have to kind of talk about like what our current goals are. Like, you know, are we saving for anything you know specific? Is there anything like that maybe is coming down the pipeline that we need to be aware of? Like a big expense, maybe anything like that. You know, like we have to talk about those types of things. But as far as like actually making up the budget. And all of that, that is kind of left up to me because my husband doesn't really like to, to do all that stuff. He kind of just wants to look at it and say, yay, nay, or what's this? Okay, no, we got to add that. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like he wants that part of it. He doesn't really want to have to sit there and actually like write out numbers. <laughs> Our husbands should talk. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. And then how, so he just basically looks at it. So you obviously have these conversations yeah. as to kind of checking in where you're at, how closer to your goals, all that, and making sure that you're staying um, the ballpark with what you allotted for those different areas, right? Exactly. Yep. Awesome. So what would you say? So you've accomplished many things. You've gotten rid of debt, uh, your consumer debt, you have become a one income family, you've had a lot of growth in, you know, in between from being like a spender to being the extreme in the frugal area to having a a better balance. So what would you say has been the best money that you've spent? Hmm. This is going to sound kind of strange, but (laughs) probably the best money that I have ever spent has been really expensive vacuum cleaner that I have. What kind do you have? I'm curious. (laughs) I have a a shark navigator. (laughs) Oh, 
<laughs> yeah, it was really expensive. It's literally the most expensive vacuum cleaner I have ever purchased. But with three little kids and a, a husband that's in construction and a dog that's crazy and sheds everywhere, <laughs> like it is the absolute best thing that I have ever spent money on. Because before that, I just bought like this super cheap vacuum cleaner that you could find at Walmart that's like no name brand uh-huh. and they always would like fall apart on me and mm. so then I finally um and we were actually going through the debt-free journey when I bought it but I just finally looked at my husband when our last one died and I said I have got to put some money aside and I'm gonna go buy a nice vacuum cleaner I don't know what one is gonna be yet but I'm <laughs> going to read reviews and I'm gonna buy a nice vacuum cleaner and I still like I, I even surprised my husband when I bought the vacuum cleaner he was like, he was like I can't believe you spent that much money on a vacuum cleaner <laughs> but it was the best purchase I made. <laughs> I've done similar on pots where my husband uh, and we still use them. We've had him, my son, my youngest, I was pregnant with my youngest. He's, he's 11. So we've had him 11 years, stainless steel oh, pots. Wow. And I'm like, we always meant at that time we had been married. This was 2006 or so to, uh, we had married six years and we had already been replacing pots and pans. So I just decided let's just you know, it was, it did come from our emergency savings. I'm going to be real. It did come from an emergency (laughs) savings, but it was hands down one of the best investments that I've made because to this day, they are like awesome. (laughs) You know, they, we haven't had to replace it. My husband did look at me like, you want to spend how much on those pots? I'm like, yes, I do. We'll never have to buy them again, or maybe for a very long time. And 11 years later, we still have those same pots. You know, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Instead of spending two, $300 or however, you know, to replace, let's say, uh, a set of pots. I think that's how they run uh, every couple years or uh, however it is. Sometimes, I don't know. Sometimes it's more, I guess. But yeah, so very similar. It's all about, you know, our priorities, what's important to us. And for me was I didn't want to replace the darn pots. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And you were tired of, you know, the vacuum. So I completely, Uh, but I I completely hear you. (laughs) I hear you. And I know you mentioned uh, you were grateful for your mom teaching you the budgeting. Uh, Would you say she's the one that influenced you the most in the area of money? Or is there someone else? I would definitely say that my mom definitely did, but more so than that, it would be my nanny and papa. They are my mom's parents. Okay. The reason that they did is because when my papa died, he was, well, how old was he? 90? He was 90 years old when he passed away. And my nanny ends up finding out that my papa had left her what he called the gift fund with $80,000 in it. And the only instructions he left for this fund was that this was to purchase gifts for their five children and all 32 of their grandchildren and great-grandchildren, and that she could use it however she saw fit as long as she purchased gifts for them for whatever occasions she wanted to get for. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, but for some reason, like, that's always stuck with me. I was like, oh my God, $80,000. And they were not rich. Like, that's the thing. Like, my papa, he dropped out of high school to be able to go to work to help his mom Mm -hmm. you know, and his younger brother have food on the table type of thing. So they were not rich people at all. Mm -hmm. But the fact that, you know, that he had saved up that money and had set aside and was able to give that to his wife and to his children and grandchildren and great grandchildren just absolutely inspired me so much. Because I'm like, $80,000 is not just like a, you know, that's not chump change. And just Mm -hmm. for the only instructions to be for gifts, because everything else was taken care of, like Aww. all the other bills and anything else my nanny could need being taken care of. And that this is solely just so you can give however you want to. Like that's just, that just absolutely blew me away. And that uh, definitely inspired me that I want to 
leave that kind of legacy for my own family. Oh, absolutely. That's so awesome. Now, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you two more things. One is what would be your best piece of advice based on the experiences that you have had and, and the growth that you have had for the person listening right at this very moment? Um, that would be to not fall into the trap that success has a look. Mm. Success does not have a look. It does not mm-hmm. have a look at all. It's not about, you know, it doesn't matter what you wear or what you drive or anything like that. Success is all about, you know, who you are as a person and the actions that you take. And to chase someone else's ideals, you're never going to find the success that you really want to have. And that is something that I truly failed with early in my adult life because I felt like I had to you know, have this and do this and, and be all of things in order to be taken seriously and to be seen as someone that was successful. And that is just totally not true. That is a big, huge myth. <laughs> right, right. That is so good. I'm glad you mentioned that because you're right. We see so many things and then we fall into the trap. Oh, we need to do that or we need to do this. But where we really need to do is to listen to ourselves, uh, right? Exactly. And be confident <laughs> in, in what we're doing and feel good about what we're doing. So I love that you mentioned that. That is awesome. Now, as you know, this podcast is all about making money simple and taking control of it. So how would you finish this sentence? So her money matters because her legacy matters. Love it. Love it. Jesse, well, this has been fantastic. I am so glad we finally connected. We still have to meet in person. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And and I appreciate you being here with us and everything that you shared. Well, thank you so much, Jen. Thank you again for having me on. I absolutely love Jesse's energy and I hope that you enjoyed this interview. I hope that you enjoyed her message. You can connect more with Jesse over at her Instagram account that you just look for Jesse Fearon, and I will also have a link to that in today's show notes. Today, let me do La Mención Semanal or the weekly shout out, and I'm going to change it up a little bit today. Usually with this, I single out a person or maybe a few people depending on what's going on, but today I want to give a shout out to you, especially you, if you have not, let's say, participated in the community, because you know what? You're here. You're listening to this podcast. That means you're putting your financial matters as a priority. And I want to give you a shout out for that. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter if maybe you're not moving as fast as you want to. It doesn't matter if maybe that you started a budget and you gave up on it and you're trying something else. What matters here is that you keep going. What matters here is that you keep refueling yourself with all good stuff, this podcast, other podcasts, books, whatever it is. So I want to recognize you, the one, you that has been silent, but I know that behind the scenes, you're doing some work. Maybe you're not progressing as fast as you want. That's okay. Really, the important piece is that you're putting work in, that you're being consistent, that you keep trying. Sometimes you, you've you heard those stories of like, I think it's, um oh goodness, my mind just went blank of the basketball player from the Bulls. Oh, how can I forget? But You've heard of those stories like basketball players or scientists that have tried and tried and they failed and failed and failed and tried and tried and tried. They've fallen down on their face. They're falling down on their feet and they've gotten themselves back up. And it took lots and lots of tries until they got it right. 
right? It took a many, many tries till they really were able to really succeed, right? And I want you to keep that in mind that your finances to achieve what you want to achieve, it just takes work. It takes consistency, as I mentioned, and just make sure that you record that progress along the way. That way you can celebrate that, right? Make sure you are aware of those money wins and just enjoy the journey. You're not going to change your life from one day to another. It just takes some work. Okay, enough of my rant. I just wanted to recognize you because I realize that I recognize those that have been vocal in the group uh, that maybe I have worked with, but there's you that maybe has been quiet, that maybe has been shy, and that's completely okay. I wanted to recognize you today. All right, today's chat with Jessie. She shared her fantastic story of going from one extreme to another where she was a spender to becoming extra frugal out of necessity and extra frugal she did, right? Now, if you consider yourself frugal, but you haven't seen the fruits of your labor, I'm going to share with you three reasons for this, okay? Reason number one is you need to track those numbers and know your savings in tangible numbers. It's not that you saved money by not going out to eat. It's not that you save that money by couponing. It's how much, right? So track those numbers. Reason number two, you're not seeing the fruits of your labor is, are you putting those savings to work, right? So you, maybe you know that you're saving $20 a week or whatever it is by doing X, Y, Z, but are you putting those savings to work? Is that $20 just sitting in the account? And then if you don't put it to work, it magically disappears, right? So you have to put it to work. Reason number three is that maybe those frugal efforts and time are better used elsewhere, right? So sometimes we have to look at, are those things, you know, are our frugal efforts working? It's not that you were doing it, but are, is it really working for us? Is it significant, right? Are you seeing it free up some cash, right? If you aren't seeing those results, where else can you put the time and effort to that will deliver results? All right. So I want to make sure I wanted to add that in because I think it's so important. Sometimes we do take on a frugal role and we think, well, this will help us, but we need to make sure we have those tangible numbers of how much it's saving us. Uh, we have to make sure we're putting that savings to work and we have to really assess if those frugal efforts are working for us. If not, what else can we do? So take a moment to think about those frugal actions that you are taking. Are you doing those three things that I mentioned? If not, I say get to it and stop spinning around in that hamster wheel that is only getting you exercise, but not taking you where you want to be. So if you, like Jesse, have found yourself at one of those extremes and you don't know what you can do to change, well, I've got your back. I've created My Daily Money Ritual, a free worksheet that will help you lessen the overwhelm and help you figure out your strengths and what areas of your financial life need more attention. And you can grab your free copy over at jenhempill.com forward slash ritual next week. It's Thanksgiving. It's Turkey Day. And I hope you love turkey. I know I do. I will be actually with my family in Colombia spending some time together. So I'm really, really excited about that. But 
As far as next week, we will have a special Thanksgiving episode. Typically, when we think Thanksgiving, we think turkey, family, being thankful. And one thing I am personally thankful is the Plutus Foundation. We will be talking with founder Harlan Landis, where he will be sharing with us the simple impact that they are having with financial literacy programs in different communities, which is such an awesome thing to see them do. So they provide grants, they do various things, but they provide grants to people that are wanting to take on a project in their community that has to do with financial education. Some of those projects are fantastic. Uh, So he's going to share some of what those projects looks like, their successes, and I want you just to be aware of the Plutus Foundation. But that's next week. I'm not going to talk any more about that. (laughs) So that is a wrap for today. I want to thank Jessie for joining us, for sharing her story, for sharing all the goods today. Uh, You can check out more on Jessie over in our show notes over at jenhemphill.com forward slash 160. Also, don't forget if you love this episode, it would mean the world to me if you share it with a friend, stranger, coworker, family member. Because remember, we don't really know, we don't share with others when we are in dire straits with our finances, right? So sometimes it's just a matter of sharing this podcast, this episode, or just because we don't know what's going on and just uh, whatever is being talked about in this episode or in this podcast will give that person inspiration. It will give them that fuel to keep moving versus becoming frustrated and overwhelmed in their financial life. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking time to listen and supporting this podcast. It really means the world to me. And so we'll talk to you next Thursday. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.